We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Week 14 was highlighted by a lot of desperate plays to get into the playoffs. We saw receivers go down with injury. We saw the Bengals and the Jaguars win. So it's Victory Monday for Nick and I here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. As always, we are brought to you by No House Advantage. Uh, as always, we're, we celebrate our wins. So Bengals and Jaguars wins this week. Nick and I are going to be flying high. We're going to oh, go yeah. through every game this week. Uh, the Bengals did some shenanigans, so we got to talk about that when we get to that. Uh, but let's start off with Thursday, which for 53 minutes was farce. And then it was the Baker Mayfield show to finish this game. Nick, what, what a weird game. What a wild finish. Again, we sign off on Thursday night on Sirius XM, mm-hmm. and the game gets more interesting after we sign off. It happens almost every single week. It, it's happened on some Monday games as well. Uh, but yeah, this was... I, I thought the the Raiders, you know, losing the Jeff Saturday game, you can't really sink any lower than that. I, I think this was maybe worse. You know, that they've taken the two most egregious losses, not against the spread, or anything like that, but just in terms of situation uh, in recent memory. I mean, you're bringing in Baker Mayfield on basically two days to acclimate himself to the playbook. Uh, you know, and it, we saw Wolford play what one series didn't even attempt to pass. And then it was Baker time. I, I don't really know what the impetus was behind not actually starting ba- Baker Mayfield. It seemed like that was the plan all along was that he was going to be the guy, but man, what a, what an effort by the Raiders. It, it felt like they, they came into this game just assuming that they had won and all they had to do was just kind of kill 60 minutes of clock. Uh, Derek Carr looked awful through two really bad picks. Uh, defensively, obviously, they let their guard down late in this game. And, man, for a Raiders team that we were talking about as, you know, maybe, just maybe, you had an outside chance to keep this momentum going, push for that that final wild card spot in the AFC. I mean, this is a, a crushing, shocking defeat. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote it beating the book. And I, I took the Raiders to cover, by the way, so I was wrong. But... Yeah, I did right. If there's one team in the NFL that would be capable of finding a way to lose to Baker Mayfield with two days to prepare, it would be the Raiders. So at least I hit on that. But I still at the end of the day, I didn't really have faith that the Rams offensively would be able to hang in this game. But the other story, too, is they held the Raiders to 16 points. The Raiders held the Raiders to 16 points. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a better way to put it. You had a banged up Josh Jacobs. He hurt his hand. Obviously, he was wincing every time he had a play, especially if it was a pass. 
why aren't you throwing to this guy named Devontae Adams, yeah. who had two huge plays in the first half? He had three targets in the second half, one of which was that final uh, play of the game, which was another interception. Uh, but, you know, it just there, – there was no – I, I felt like – yeah, like you said, they were just trying to kill the clock for 60 minutes. They thought that the Rams couldn't score. And they got cocky. They got full of it. And, they, you know, the Rams did get a little lucky. There was some surreal stuff happening, including the whole bat the hand, bat the ball out of the quarterback's hand play at the end there. Yep. I mean, just crazy stuff. I mean, they didn't need to do that. Uh, but the thing is, they took their foot off the gas. They got what they deserved. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think it goes back to failing to score before the half. Uh, you know, that was a Derek Carr interception in the end zone. Uh, just kind of a sloppy play. Maybe got his arm hit a little bit. But uh, you know, I think at that point, the Raiders just kind of assumed that they were going to put points on the board and that would be it. Um, but, you know, going into the halftime, uh, only down 10, I think that was big for the Rams. I think, you know, I think if you're L.A., you didn't feel great about how you played in the first half, but you're saying, look, we're down two scores to a yeah. team that we probably don't think is all that good. Like, we are in this game. And uh, like you said, you got the sense that the Raiders just completely did not take this game seriously. They were treating it as a win from the jump. And you see one or two of these games every year and it, every time you're looking back and you're just saying like, how, how could you, how could you allow this to happen? But this is now twice from the Raiders that, you know, being in the best spot possible on paper uh, that they found a way to squander it. Good note, by the way, on Devonte Adams from Matt Schneiderman. Uh, he's the Packers reporter uh, over at the athletic Devonte Adams caught less than four passes only one time in 62 games with the green Bay Packers. He has four games already this season with fewer than four catches. Wow. Just wow. Uh, it's just, it's just total malpractice, complete, mm-hmm. utter total malpractice. They, I mean, they really thought that they didn't need to score, that they, there was no way the Rams could score against them. They got what they deserve. I mean, there, there was a couple of dimes by Maker, Baker at the end. One of those was a force ball to Skoranek, though, that kept that, dri- that long drive going. But you know what? It got to the right spot. And it was a hell of a catch by Skoranek, too. It was. It was. And you know what? Hey, you got what you deserve. Cam Akers, 12 for 42. got that one touchdown mm-hmm. uh, that got the, uh, got, you know, which paid your fantasy bills because he didn't do a whole lot otherwise. Barely converted on fourth down prior to that on the little pass play. Um, there was, the, the, the refs came to flag that day. Uh, there were a lot of penalties in this game on both sides. Both sides had some grievance. Like there was a series there where the Raiders were holding and holding and then they got away with a hold on, uh, against Max Crosby that kept the drive going uh, because I think they got some flag fatigue almost. Uh, they, but there were some weird plays earlier. There was a bad hold early on one, uh, like on a little play on the flat. I mean, it was barely a hold at that. Mm-hmm. And after the series was out, after the third down failed, you know, their lineman got flagged for the uh, yapping at the Rams player. I don't know exactly what he said. He may have said a magic word or so, but still. It's just it made it a, it turned it from a 46 yard field goal to a 61 yarder. Yeah. Yes, you got to be able to control your emotions, but come on, it's not a ref show. Come on, Let, let's. I didn't like that flag. I, I thought there was just too many hair trigger flags. But then again, yep. the Raiders they knocked the ball out of the player's hand. I mean, it's because it's a hurry up drill. You you can't be doing that sort of stuff. So it's a flag. Mm-hmm. But man, what a huge play. Yeah, we, we saw a few kind of semi-controversial calls, you know, starting with this Thursday game, obviously the roughing the passer last night uh, oh. in, the, in the Dolphins-Chargers game. I, so I, I tweeted this out last night and got a, got a little bit of pushback, but 
you know, if the NFL is going to insist on calling these roughing the passers, I think we could all agree as football fans that we would prefer that they're just not called, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be an option. Like they're, they're going to right. call something. I, can we treat it like roughing versus running into the kicker? Like if it's an egregious, you know, you go head first, you, the quarterback slammed to the ground. Sure. 15 yards first down. But if it's that situation where you're Jalen Phillips, you're bracing yourself, you're trying everything right. you can do to not put your weight on the quarterback. If you still want to flag it, that's fine, but just make it a five yard penalty. Don't be an automatic first down. Like the, the issue is these, these controversial calls cannot result in like, in that case, that was like a 25 yard swing in field position yeah. as well as the first down. I mean, it, it basically takes a turnover off the board. It does. It does. And that, that was a big play in the game. Huge play in the game. Uh, it was suggested maybe by uh, Collinsworth last night to that. Maybe they should allow for, a review process of some sort. No, sure. I, I, I don't I, want to add I, more reviews, but right. It's better than what we have right now. It was kind of a Pandora's box to add review to pass interference. It's a judgment call after all, but when the ref specialist doesn't rush to defend the refs on the field, you know, it's a bad call. Um, and Terry McCauley was like, no, I would not, I don't think that's a call. I don't think, you know, and all that it's rare, you know, the ESPN guy, I, I forget his name, but that's okay. You don't have to remind me because I don't really mm -hmm. care. Um, he reflexively defends the refs on the field every time. He's probably the worst. Pereira is probably the best. Um, but nonetheless, I don't want ref specialists. I, 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 we have enough of that. I don't really need to have, oh, let's, you know, oh, you know, explain every single call. No, no one's here to hear that. I mean, it's just, it's just, you're supposed to be kind of like, make sure the game happens. You're not a highlight of the show. Ugh, sorry. Yeah, it does feel sometimes, and you know, I, I really want to avoid you know going into a deeper hole on, on officiating here. But even you know the touchdown versus not non touchdown catch versus non catch calls, like I, yeah, I think we we need to start doing the uh, kind of innocent till proven guilty strategy. It feels like it's the opposite right now. It's like the NFL is doing everything it can to make everything not a catch or everything not a touchdown. Like let's just assume everything is a catch or is not a touchdown. And then we have to go the other way. Like I, I don't, I don't know why we're, we're seemingly, you know, trying to eliminate fun plays and, and take points off the board as much as we can. Like, I, I kind of would like to see a little bit more of a like benefit of the doubt, speed up the game involved in this process. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to survive the ground. Sometimes you have to survive the nature of man that we're all mortal. Um, yeah. It's, it's really difficult uh, to overcome that sort of burden, especially the latter one there. Anything else from this Thursday game? I know we got a little far afield there. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, most people have probably listened to to, to podcasts or, or read up on this game by now, so I don't think we, we need to dive too much into it. I mean, the only thing is we'll we'll just be keeping a very close eye on Josh Jacobs, who, you know, is going to undergo some tests on that finger. Haven't really received an update over the last few days. You would imagine it's nothing overly serious, but that, you know, combined with the calf injury that he's been nursing will uh, yeah. definitely be something to monitor heading into the fantasy playoffs. Baker Mayfield had two days to prepare for uh, this game. He'll have a lot more. They play the Monday night game in Lambeau uh, oh, yeah. for that. Uh, whereas the Raiders, uh, they're home against the Pats. So the Pats have the second of their, uh, their their leg out west, if you will. They're doing Arizona Monday and then uh, tonight, that is, and then Sunday against the Raiders. I think they'll probably have to stay out west then, I'm guessing. I would I imagine. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they flew all the way back twice. Though it didn't work out so well for the Dolphins. But mm -hmm. uh, we'll get to that, too. All right, that's a happy place. Let's talk a little Bengals. Who day? Let's go. Let's go. Okay, first of all, the unhappy part. Mm. They were clearly playing shenanigans with the uh, the roster movement. And I, I believe that a massive fine should be coming down their way because they lied, lied, lied. They, you know, he was limited on Thursday and Friday, yet they cleared him from the injury list. Oh, he aggravated in warmups. That's why, we, you know, mm. 
he played like one snap. I'm, with, I'm talking about T. Higgins, and you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated for everybody out there, else that are out there that had him. Key week 14 matchup. It's the second time with Higgins specifically this kind of happened against a divisional foe. He was on the field as a decoy in that Sunday night game against the Ravens, if you recall, and he had a big bagel in that game too. So totally killed you twice this year with this. Yeah, I I mean, this was a a disaster scenario uh, for fantasy, especially at this point in the season. You know, a lot of people playing their way in or in some cases out of the playoffs. Um, I mean, you know, Tyler Boyd too exits this game early, no real foul play there, but that was just a legit uh, injury on the, yeah, field. right. Yeah. That was just really bad luck. If you started Tyler Boyd, you know, if you, if you had some sort of Boyd Higgins stack, you basically just took a zero at receiver this week. Um, and you know, Jamar chase was kind of left to, to, to be the man in this offense. And I mean, the Higgins situation, I like, we, we didn't find out until after the game that he allegedly tweaked it in warmups. Who knows if that's the case, maybe that's Zach Taylor, you know, trying to, to, to cover his behind, a little bit, maybe uh, avoid some of that fine. I, I, I'm with you. I do think a fine is coming. I think there's, there's, there's going to be enough outrage. There's enough money tied up in fantasy football. And frankly, the league has made it clear that teams can't be doing this, right? You know, there's a reason you don't see it very often because I, I think teams are, are in right. accordance and they understand there will be consequences if, if they're not honest with their injury reports. So yeah, to me, that the, I, this reeks of something that the Bengals probably knew about in days previous and the assumption is they they wanted some sort of competitive edge, but um, you know he he did play one snap, right? Is that is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I I, I don't know if that like does that play into it at all? Like, is there some sort of like, well, he was on the field for one snap? Does that absolve us of of any uh, of any wrongdoing? I, I'm not I'm not really sure what the goal is there because if he did tweak it in warmups, why did he play one snap? Yeah, I, I would have to like watch the all eleven uh, and see like did he actually run a route or did he just stand there? You know, it's like. You know, it, it, it was the co- one route ran. So yeah. uh, the coaches and the, you know, there were the sideline reporters like coaches choosing to hold them out now. Um, okay. Sure. Choosing to. Yeah. And, and the thing is you can see why the motivation, because the Browns, if with time to prepare, knowing that Higgins might not play, well, they, they know he was limited in practice. They had to report that they should have been prepared a little bit, but you would think that they'd have doubles on chase all the time. Um, and they did it. And sometimes chase though, like, on the touchdown, Chase beat a double team. Uh, in yeah. fact, he didn't even know the ball was coming until like the nanosecond it, before it got there. Because um, he, he, but Burrow forced it in this tight little window and got it through perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, it was kind of funny though. But they did find some ways earlier to later in the game to find find a way to get him open, scheme him open on the sideline. He made some big plays. Uh, so anyhow, it very frustrating there. Joe Mixon looked good. He had 14 carries, 96 yards. He had the 40-yarder in the second half. Most of his better runs came in the second half. Yep. P. Ryan got the touchdown. Oddly, P. Ryan had a couple of drops in the passing game. A couple of pretty bad ones, actually. Uh, one was maybe a bad throw by Burrow, but there's two others that were on P. Ryan. But he had the weird touchdown in his own right where Clowney gave up on the play uh, when P. Ryan bounced it outside. They just didn't wrap, uh, and he, he brought it in for the touchdown there. So uh, that's the sort of ratio I expect, though where mixing gets like mm-hmm. 75% of the snaps, I would guess 60 to 75%. Yeah. It was 39 snaps for, for Mixon and 29 for P Ryan, uh, P Ryan, a little more involved in passing downs. So that was relatively equal, but you know, 14 to four uh, in terms of carries in favor of Joe Mixon. So like you said, yeah. I, I think that's about what we predicted kind of a weird script though, for Cincinnati, you know, I think losing Higgins and then losing Boyd, they played a combined three snaps in this game. So I, yeah. I think this is not necessarily how the Bengals wanted to play this game. I, I think they, 
I wouldn't really say they were conservative necessarily. I mean, they, they, they threw a flea flicker for a touchdown for, for, for Christ's sake. But uh, at the same time, I think this game looks a lot different if both Higgins uh, and Tyler Boyd are healthy. And, you know, they start the game with three punts. You could tell they were, they were a little bit out of sorts. Uh, but this Bengals defense, man, two straight huge stops at the end of this game. I mean, Cleveland was kind of borderline threatening to, to make this a little bit interesting at the end. But they yeah. stopped in the red zone after a long Cleveland drive, you know, Bengals go three and out and, and get another quick stop to, to really slam the door shut. Um, so I, I've been really impressed with Cincinnati overall. I think this is the type of game that a lot of good teams like the Bengals, all of a sudden you lose your, your second and third receiver, really integral parts to this offense. I think there's a lot of teams that would panic, that would get away from their game plan, that could let a game like this slip away. And they didn't. They just didn't. I mean, that, that defense, I mean, it's a top 10 defense now, Jeff. This is a number seven defense in the league in terms of passing EPA. Uh, Deshaun Watson put up a lot of yards, but Part of that was the fact that he threw the ball 42 times. Yeah, I was just going to say, and almost the entire second half was all, uh, was, was almost all passing. Although it was funny, Adam Archuleta was like, this is after the, the Browns went down, I think 20, it was 20, I think it actually when it was 23 to 10, uh, it might have been even 20 to 10 at that point in time. Uh, he was like, okay, they can't afford to do their usual plotting down the field. And what did they do? They plotted down the field. Oh, yeah. He was right, by the way. They didn't have enough time. Uh, but, it's funny. What I what struck me was Cleveland couldn't run the ball. Nick Chubb, his long was 13 yards, 14 for 34, though. Kareem Hunt, four for six. Watson had a couple of scrambles, but you're right. They you know, Watson had to throw the ball. He only got sacked twice, but he's pressured a lot. A couple of those runs were the result of pressures, <coughs> um, where he just got past barely past the line of scrimmage. They they left some points on the on the field though. Very first drive, they drive all the way down to like the Bengals twenty and go for it on fourth and one. They bring in Jacoby Brissett. You're okay, and it was like inches, fourth and inches too. Yep. Maybe it was less than a full yard. You're thinking, okay, they brought him in for the sneak. Fine. No, they did a play action. No, I actually kind of applaud a little bit of it, but then he overthrows the receiver in the end zone, and it's like, yeah, you have this super expensive quarterback that you traded for. You traded tons of assets for and all that. And you you replaced Brissett with him. And now you're bringing Brissett for a fourth down play only and a trick play, not even a trick play, but just a surprise play. Yeah. He plays to be I didn't love it. stupid prizes. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think calling it a trick play, it, it did almost feel that way, you know? Yeah. And I, I was kind of watching that game passively. All of a sudden I look up and Brissett's in the game. I'm, I'm going to Twitter. I'm like, did Watson get hurt? Like what is going on here? And Brissett's one of those guys. Isn't he like 98% conversion rate? on QB sneaks for his Yeah, career. he's really good at it. So, yeah. So I get that. You know, you're you're obviously the defense is thinking it's going to be a sneak. I understand that, but just run the sneak. Get the first down. Like it, it's so, it's such a risky play uh you know to, to throw it deep in that situation and I think if you're Cincinnati and you say, "All right, would you rather try to stop a QB sneak even if you know it's coming or have Jacoby Brissett throw the ball 40 yards downfield?" I, I think you'll take your chances with the latter. Yeah, for sure. Um I wonder if he audibled on that one there or if that was Very the possibly. play call along. Um yeah, so, uh, yeah, very interesting scenario there. Uh, Peoples-Jones was the main receiver, 8 for 114. Najoku looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Cooper uh, only had two catches for 42, and he's listed as kind of questionable this week. He he came into the game as a game-time decision with a hip injury, had one catch overturned. He actually looked okay, but he, he's clearly not going not gonna to be 100% this week, so something to watch for with him too. Yeah, he looked good early on and then just really didn't do a whole lot uh, over the final three quarters of this game. Uh, Nick Chubb, by the way, I mean, barely even in the top 15 among running backs over the last four weeks. Uh, yeah, and really since his bye week. So the last five weeks, uh, you know, has only broken 100 yards once in that span. And that came on 26 carries 
uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only and overtime too. Remember that right. was that he needed to get that overtime touchdown. I mean, yep. yeah, I know that all too well. Cause my NFFC primetime team has Chubb and he was awesome early. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. in your face, I got him late third round and all that. And now I'm like, eh, okay. Need a big week. It'd be nice. Um, Bengals travel to Tampa this week. No Trey Hendrickson, by the way, broken wrist. Mm -hmm. They think he might be back for like the regular season finale is what they're talking. So it's going to be a lengthy absence. Pretty tough injury there for that. Cleveland's one of the three, uh, one of the three uh, Saturday games this week, Baltimore, they're hosting Baltimore. So pretty big game. Yeah. Yeah. On both sides. Although Cleveland, eh, Cleveland's kind of toast. They're they're toast this year, but still it's a rivalry game. Uh, Old Cleveland versus New Cleveland. Um, so there's that. Um, and, and Baltimore, obviously, every game matters to them. Mm-hmm. Um, tickets are as low as $18, according to ESPN Ooh. on the schedule page there. So that's in Cleveland. I can see that there. Yep. StubHub's not doing so well on that one. Uh, it's the cheapest one out there. Next cheapest is uh, the Chargers. Uh, not a shock, actually, because they don't have a huge uh, fan base. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next game. We are just going so fast right now but that's okay we had to go in depth with my own team so there you go buffalo and the jets slog of a game mm-hmm. rain that turned to snow uh mitch mike white that turned to joe flacco which turned back to mike white uh but not in time because flacco lost a fumble when he got sacked uh and he was one for three for a yard in that time when white was out white went out twice got hit in the ribs after the game his teammates were praising him for his toughness and yeah, he was tough i mean I was just pleased because the Jets rallied for the cover. I was very happy with that one there. Uh, that was nice. Um, yeah, you know, they, you know, they got it under nine. I set my line at seven for this one. I was hoping to get the seven, but still. Um, you know, this was this was not a pretty game. You know, and it wasn't expected to be. Both defenses are excellent. Yeah, it really was ugly early on. I mean, the weather played a factor as well. Just a, a pretty, pretty ugly scene. Uh, in Buffalo uh, from a watchability standpoint. I mean, we, we began this game with what? I think it was 10 straight punts. Uh, no points on the board uh, until a Buffalo touchdown late in the second quarter. Uh, it, it, did, it did feel like the Bills were in more control of this game. You know, even when it was close, even when it was 0-0, you kind of felt better about the way that they were moving the ball. But all of a sudden, you know, coming out of, of halftime, the Jets marched down 10 plays, 72-yard drive to even this up. But really, really rough fumble um, you know, on a, a fumble sack. Uh, in the third quarter, we saw Mike White take multiple monster hits in this game. He ended up in the hospital after the game, um, yeah. dealing with a rib injury. I mean, he, he got hit, went out for a play, looked like he was done, came back in, took another hard hit that that ended up knocking him out of this game. But overall, I got to say that this game kind of shifted my opinion a little bit on Mike White and you know, didn't throw a touchdown, but he did get to 268 yards. He looked really tough, made some really difficult throws in the elements and you know, I was a little bit hesitant to buy in. You know, I think that that big game against the Chicago Bears was pulling a lot of weight a couple of weeks ago. I, I thought he looked sure. a little shaky last week against a better opponent, but this was impressive, even in a loss. I, I thought Mike White looked really good. Yeah, he did. Uh, I guess he draws the Lions this upcoming week, too, if he can play, mm-hmm. um, if he's 100%. So uh, I, I do, you know, weather permitting, I do like Wilson. I like Elijah Moore this week. Uh, Corey Davis left with a concussion, so watch that one. I, I really like more if Davis doesn't play. Uh, he actually had the most targets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he had ten targets this past week. Uh, Conklin actually had eight. He was active. Uh, Bam Knight over Michael Carter. That was a revelation that they they like Bam Knight a lot. Carter only had five carries. Didn't do much mm-hmm. with them. 
Uh, he had, did have three catches at least, but I did start Carter in a couple places as, as a flex, thinking that maybe he'd be involved. Wasn't really that involved that much. Yeah, I think if you're looking for rest of season, uh, Knight's the guy with the higher upside at this point. And, and we saw, I mean, this split, if you're if you're a Michael Carter owner, it's pretty concerning. I mean, Carter did yeah. outsnap Zonovan Knight 37 to 35. Uh, but was more kind of the the third down pass catching back. I mean, he ran yep. 26 routes on 37 snaps. Donovan Knight, 17 carries to just five for Carter. And look, I mean, Knight is one of those guys that really passes the eye test. I mean, hard runner. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes sense that he's named that he's nicknamed Bam for sure. Um, yeah. And look, he, he's no Brees Hall, completely different type of player, but uh, I mean, just just a more dynamic runner certainly than Michael Carter. So I, I don't fault the Jets for turning in that direction. It was Knight uh, that tacked on the touchdown in this game as well. Um, yeah, you mentioned Elijah Moore, 10 targets, caught six of those. Another decent game for Garrett Wilson, six for 78, I think, especially considering the opponent and considering the elements and the fact that, you know, your quarterback was banged up for half the game. Uh, still have to be really encouraged by by what we're seeing out of Wilson. Oh, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think he's a start every week now, uh, and especially this upcoming mm-hmm. week. Uh, Bills, on the other hand, uh, you know, again, not a big game from Josh Allen. No. Uh, only 147 passing yards. We know there's a tough opponent. Uh, he got sacked three times. He didn't, he didn't have an interception at least, uh, no turnovers, but you know, and, and Carter, by the way, did lose one. That's another reason why he probably got uh, buried a little bit, but on the, uh, bill side though, I mean, they're not really connecting. This is the worst game for Stefan Diggs in a long time. Three for 37. Dawson Knox had the one touchdown four for 41. Gabe Davis did very little. McKenzie did very little. The running backs did very little. We didn't see a whole lot of James Cook in this game after seeing a lot of them on the Thursday night game the week ago. Uh, this is this was not an encouraging offensive game. I think some of it has to do with the opponent, but they're not really firing on all cylinders offensively. No, and you know it feels like you're picking nits sometimes with the Buffalo Bills who just continue to do nothing but win games of late. But yeah, I mean, yeah. for a team that we're trying to, it feels like everybody wants the Bills, you know, to, to kind of be this dominant team. They're a really fun team when they're rolling. They're, they're maybe the most fun team to watch when Josh Allen is at his peak. But it's been it's been a long time since we've seen a complete four quarter domination by the right. Buffalo Bills, where they've looked like that team where it's like, man, you don't want to face them, you know, especially if you're on the road in the playoffs. Like to me, it's like. The Eagles are that team at this point, and you could you could say maybe the schedule's been a little more friendly. Whatever you want to, whatever caveats you want to make, but they're the team that week in and week out is just rolling over opponents. And by the way, if you if you navigate over to RotoWire.com and you check out our, our NFL betting hub, I'm seeing Jalen Hurts now as a definitive MVP favorite, minus one seventy five at the DK Sportsbook. Patrick Mahomes, of course, three picks. We'll talk about that game in a bit. He's fallen back, and Josh Allen. I mean, he's not. Uh, totally out of it, but he's all the way down at 20 to one. I I would sprinkle that as you'd like to say, mm-hmm. um, because they're still the number one seed, you know, it, they could turn it around pretty quickly. These things kind of, sometimes you go through a little stretch of doldrums, but we still have four more weeks of games. Uh, yeah. And if they're the number one seed going into the playoffs and they, they're dominant at the end, I can see it there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Hertz is justifiably the favorite. I think Mahomes. I mean, he had, let's face it, yeah, he had the picks. And those were bad. That la- that last pick especially was bad because uh, it kept the Broncos in the game. They, it was completely unnecessary to pull that, to do that one. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, he's been awesome all year without his top, without Tyreek Hill. You know, everyone is fearing a huge drop off and it didn't really happen. You make a case for Burrow. Uh, Bengals still aren't even the division leader, though, so it's harder to make that case. But still, 
five, you know, five wins in a row and they're rolling. So I can see the case for him. It's going to be a quarterback. I think we know that this year. No question about that. It's a quarterback award at this point. I, I think it, it takes an unbelievably special season by a, a running back or a receiver. And then more importantly, you need there to be like no obvious elite quarterback, which given how many elite quarterbacks are in the league right now, I, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I think the fact that Cooper cup was not really even a true MVP contender last year. Like that's, that's about as best of a case as you're ever going to get from a receiver and right. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers did not even have that dominant every year, but you know, compared to some of, of, of past MVP seasons. So if it couldn't happen last year, I, I think that was a pretty firm message that this is just a quarterback award going forward. And, and we have to accept that. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that it's wrong that it's just a quarterback award because I mean, that yeah. was a perfect storm because Stafford wasn't anything special cup made Stafford, not the other way around. 100%. Um, and yeah, he still didn't get it because that's because Jerry Rice never got an MVP award. I mean, that's the thing is if he can't get it, if Cup season last year right. can't get it, receivers aren't right. Get Fred it. Taylor never won one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just a shame. <laughs> I mean, you, you have seen a running back get it at least, though. Right. That right. Who was the last one? Adrian Peterson? Uh, I think you're right. I'm not really good at my recall when it comes to uh, MVPs, though. It's weird. Like, yeah. I just don't, I'm not wired that way. Um, we are we are wired. We're on the Blue Wire Network. Here's a couple of ads from the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for your indulgence. All of our uh, podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, let's move on to the next game, which happens to be the Cowboys barely pulling out a win over the Texans. You want to talk about, you know, you're talking about the Raiders and embarrassing losses. The Cowboys were this close to having an embarrassing loss 
that that goal line stand against Houston was huge. That then that, that was the game right there. If they don't, because they go down ten points that late, I don't think they come back. I don't think so either. And I, I did not fault uh, the Houston Texans for going for that. Oh, I agree. I, I, I don't. I don't think you know attacking on the field goal there. I, I don't think it really matters. And given what Dallas did on the ensuing drive, it, it ultimately did not. Uh, the play calling was fairly disastrous, as it usually is for the Houston Texans. So sure. nothing really out of the ordinary there. I, I'm just shocked that that Dallas suffered this level of a letdown. And, you know, it, it had all the hallmarks, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, multiple turnovers, muff punts. Uh, there has to be like at least one muff punt, it feels like, for, for an upset like this to potentially be brewing. Um, but, you know, I, I looked it up. I did my research on this one. I was the only one on staff picks who took the Cowboys to cover that huge number. Uh, and I, I really did feel good about it. I mean, the last 10 home teams favored by at least 16 and a half points were seven and three ATS nine and one straight up. I'm like, all right, I'm following the numbers here. Dallas's defense. They're that type of defense that just relishes a matchup like this, where you could feast against a bad quarterback. But um, man, it was just, it was such a, an unspirited effort by the Cowboys offense, especially kind of a lazy game. I felt like from Dak Prescott yes. early on. And um, it, it did feel like all along Dallas was like, fine, I, I guess we'll, we'll try and, and win this game. And, and ultimately they did. And you got to give them some credit, I guess, for that. But man, it, it was just a, it was a game that they clearly uh, did not take as seriously as they needed to. And, and in retrospect, um, a spot that maybe I should have seen coming as an obvious letdown. I feel like sometimes when these teams descend, like are, are, are really farcical, they're really like a joke. The line accounts for that still. And we're like, well, it's, it's above and beyond that. 17 yeah. points is a lot of points in a, in the NFL. And, Still talking about professionals, all sorts of teams that could beat Bama. And, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, you want to say, oh, the Texans are 1-11-1. and They'd get smoked. No, they've destroyed the best college team out there because they're all from the best college teams and they're grown-ass men. Um, and that the thing is that you it, that that margin is just that tight. So that that I feel like that that's what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that that you know I didn't obviously I didn't get you know if I had uh, had that uh, that gift of prophecy I would get that in every game but I feel like sometimes that doesn't get baked in I felt that's why I was on the Rams in the Thursday night game too uh, it doesn't always work out that way as you mm-hmm. alluded to in fact it usually doesn't but uh, I feel like there's that possibility at times Pierce actually had a, a Damian Pierce actually had a decent game finally 22 yep. for 78 now not efficient by the way but a lot of his production was done early he got stopped a couple of times on that goal line stand. Uh, Driscoll was the, the runner on the last one there. Uh, what a, just a horrific play on that fourth down. It's just like you said, disastrous play call. Yeah. Again, I, I don't fault the idea of going for it there and, and really, you know, kind of feeling like if you don't get a touchdown, Dallas has a good chance to score. And of course they did, but yeah, it was just, it was doomed from the start. You can mm-hmm. kind of tell like, and I, I believe they had called a timeout just before that. So you're like, you know, I think Driscoll looked like maybe he had turned the wrong way on the handoff. Like I yeah. you just, it's just classic, like, this is why you're one eleven and one You know, it's plays like that, uh, that that you know, really add up in big spots over the course of the year. We should give credit. I mean, the Dallas defense, after playing a pretty rough game, especially in the first half, um, you know, only allowed three points to Houston in the second half, forced to fumble uh, on the first drive, uh, you know, at an interception late in the game uh, to essentially seal it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Dallas offense, man, I just, other than Tony Pollard, making a few really nice plays. I mean, they really couldn't run the ball in this game, needed 31 carries to get to 127 yards yeah. on this Houston defense that every week we say the numbers tell us this is a very bad defense. This is a great spot for fantasy. And 
yeah, Zeke and Pollard both got in the end zone. That's all well and good. But yet again, uh, kind of a surprisingly uh, stout effort from this Houston defensive line. Absolutely. Uh, Dallas, zero sacks. I, I did not see that Crazy. one coming. Uh, they did force the one interception by Mills. They did get the fumble recovery. So, I mean, it wasn't a total loss day for the Dallas defense, but they carried you last week against the Colts with that ridiculous fourth quarter. They let us down this week, which in a, in a smash matchup there. But, you know, that happens. I get it. Um, Chris Moore, 10 for 124, was the only target really to speak of at all. Uh, by the way, Pierce got banged up a little bit. He was seen limping after the game. They said he had a bit of an ankle thing. So we're going to watch that this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, they get, uh, they get Kansas city this upcoming week. The Texans do. So, um, it might be, you know, Benjamin might be Burkhead might be Ogumbanwale. They all got action. None of them did a darn thing when they were in there. Uh, but it's worth noticing that noted, noting that those would be who their pivots are. It might not just necessarily be Burkhead it might be like a three headed monster. Yeah. And I might find myself in a similar situation having to pick that game. Uh, this coming week. I, I haven't looked at the line quite yet, but I yeah, assume well, that'll I be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be all the way up at 17 or 17 and a half that game <laughs> in Houston, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, especially with the chiefs coming off of uh, what felt like somewhat of a letdown spot this past week, uh, Texans are going to be in trouble uh, to say the least. Yeah. One last note on this game, Amari Rogers rising from the ashes uh, left for dead by the green Bay Packers. One of the more disappointing players uh, in recent memory for green Bay had a couple of really nice plays in this game. Nice kind of contested touchdown catch. Um, probably the, pretty easily the best game of his NFL career by default. You know, scored his yep. first NFL touchdown. So That's not true. really something you could bank on. Not somebody who's probably going to be in any fantasy lineups uh, going forward. But uh, an interesting name to monitor, at least for a guy who, who had a decent amount of hype coming out of Clemson. For sure. Also had a, a carry in there as well. Yeah. Um, I get Amari and Amani Rogers mixed up every single time, by the way. Uh, Amari is the wide receiver. Uh, so good for him. Um, Dallas side, CD lamb five for 33, only six targets speaks to the whole Dak malaise. It was Dalton Schultz yep. that was getting all the targets. Tony Pollard got the receiving touchdown in this one. Dak had two, two picks, got sacked once. Um, yeah, I mean, they ran the ball. Okay. But not great. They averaged four yards a carry. I mean, they didn't really necessarily do anything quite all that well offensively. They did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Enough to yeah, that's a, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Not a good Dak game. Um, you know, watching this game too, I, I, this, I think everybody pretty much agrees at this point. Like, Tony Pollard is just so much better than Ezekiel Elliott. And, and Zeke still has his role. You know, he's, he's still a really good power back, finishing runs. You know, he had the, the game-winning touchdown. Um, but, man, Tony Pollard is, is just a special runner. Like, just the way he moves, like, really jumps off the screen. I was, I was kind of captivated by it uh, watching this game. I mean, the, even the way he's kind of kind of sidestep, tiptoeing his way into the end zone on one of those touchdowns down the sideline. I mean, he is, he's really, really special. And I think the Cowboys are, it's such a luxury to basically have this guy that you're, you're using as your co-number one, sometimes your number two back, uh, who I, I think for 25 to 27 other teams is the clear, clear number one. For sure. hundred percent. Oh man. It, 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 it is, that's very handy coming into the playoffs mm -hmm. uh, for them. Um, Let's move, do one more game uh, before we do our next read. And let's do uh, Lions versus the Vikings. This one's interesting here. The Lions started off as the Vikings minus three. It went all the way to Lions minus two and a half. Mm -hmm. It should have gone more. I was wrong. This is one of the, I was eight and four this week. I was pretty good. This is one I got egregiously wrong. Uh, you know, there's another that was my best bet. I got egregiously wrong. The Lions were the best team the whole, t whole game through on this one there. There was, 
no doubt about it, the Lions were the better team. Yep, I, I was with you on this one. I took the Vikings. I, I tried to zag. It felt like all this momentum is on Detroit. And, you know, did, despite, you know, kind of doing the research and, you know, every number will point to, to point to the fact that Minnesota is nowhere near an elite team. Um, I, I just kind of felt like there was too much of a swell in favor of Detroit. But like yeah. you said, this was a game that they owned from the jump. We saw both teams fail to score on their opening drives. And after that, Jamison Williams, first career touchdown, wide open, 41-yarder. Oh. Um, and, you know, from then on, it, you know, it was kind of off to the races for Detroit. Although Minnesota did come down and answer with a really nice long drive. Uh, Dalvin Cook ended up running in a short touchdown there. So I, I kind of thought we would get a little bit more of a back and forth game. And I guess technically that was the case. But like you said, I mean, it really felt like Detroit was in control of this game. And there, there were a few times where Minnesota, it's like, all right, if they, if they can, they, they score, if they can get a stop here, they'll be in good shape. But they, they scored a touchdown to make it 21-13. They went for two, didn't get it. I know that's the analytics play. Um, mm-hmm. And they really needed a stop at that point. This was nearing the end of the third quarter. And they just couldn't get it. I mean, Detroit no. converted multiple, you know, I, I think they only faced actually one third down on the drive, but it, it was just methodically down the field. And, um, you know, to me, obviously, if you're Minnesota, you'd like to score more than 23 points on the Detroit Lions defense. It was kind of Justin Jefferson and everybody else uh, for, uh, for this day. We should mention 11 for 223 for Justin yeah. Jefferson. That was a new career high. I mean, my goodness, I believe that was a Vikings team record as well. Uh, but, defensively I, I thought the Vikings just didn't really look like anything special they, they had a ton of trouble slowing down this Detroit offense I mean the Lions converted seven third downs they converted a fourth down as well ran almost 70 plays I mean they were they were approaching 500 yards of total offense in this game so if I'm Minnesota and I'm trying to convince myself that I'm a, a real contender I'm going to win the division I'm getting a home playoff game the defense is what I feel like I need to clean up more than anything yeah absolutely um, I mean, the Lions punted twice. They even missed a field goal, but uh, they could so it could have been even worse. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 they just could not stop the Lions. I mean, Kirk Cousins threw for 425 yards. That should be a good day, but you know, he didn't get picked. He did get sacked three times. Dalvin Cook. So the Lions shot themselves in the foot. Remember, Dalvin Cook had the fumble where he was going to be the, a passer on that one there, and that was a kill, killer play. They yeah. just had like these bad plays at the wrong time. T.J. Hawkinson with their stuff awful drop uh, on a third down play. And then he lost a fumble later on. Um, So he had some critically bad plays there too. You know, he still went six for 77, but you'll remember those bad plays. The only thing that was annoying was that it was Thielen. It was Osborne getting the touchdowns. Uh, It wasn't Jefferson annoying for me because I have Jefferson everywhere. Yeah, that's, that's been the thing. I mean, Jefferson for, for how valuable he's been in terms of, you know, catches and yards, like the, the touchdowns haven't quite been there to the level that you would expect, but I all due respect to your guy, Jamar Chase and, and to Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams, man, watching Jefferson week to week. I mean, he's, I, I think he's on kind of a, a slight level up I from agree. the rest of those guys. I mean, just the, the contested catches alone are just unbelievable. I, I just, I can't really remember anybody in recent years who, in what seems like a 50-50 ball, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, it, it feels like 90-10 with him. He just, he catches absolutely everything. Um, yeah, 11 uh, on 15 targets, 223. I mean, he's just, he's the best receiver in the league. And I, I don't really think it's all that close. Yeah. It, in that perspective, it's almost like 15 targets is light. You're like, come on, throw him more. Right, but that that's ridiculous also. So, uh, yeah. you know, at, at the same time. Uh, Lions, they split up the carries again. The backfield was a three-headed monster between William Swift and Justin Jackson. Only one of the three that got the touchdown. There wasn't, you know, the Lions ran the ball okay 30 times for 134. It just was yeah. 
uh, dispersed. The Vikings couldn't run the ball at all. Cook, 15 for 23. Awesome. Just an awful game for him. He got the touchdown that saved his game, but yeah. was not a good fantasy game, and you expected a lot more out of him. Absolutely. I mean, he maybe we, we should have known. I mean, Detroit's defense set the tone on that first Minnesota drive. They go for it on a fourth and one around the 40-yard line, and Dalvin Cook is just stacked up right away. And I think that was kind of a harbinger for, for how the rest of that day would look for Dalvin Cook. I mean, salvaged it, I guess, with a touchdown, but still pretty disappointing overall. Just one catch for 13 yards. And, you know, Detroit did did rush for 134 yards, like you said, but big chunk of those came on, on a C.J. Moore gadget play uh, that they ran another reverse to Amon Ross St. Brown for a first down. Yeah, that was key in the second half. Um, you know, I was, I was over on prize picks yesterday. Uh, took, took the more on, on Deandre Swift. Didn't quite get there. I uh, no. thought he would be a little bit more involved in this game. Uh, you know, had three catches for 18 yards, but just six for 21 for him. And, and like you said, the snap count was uh, very, very uh, evenly distributed for Detroit 26 for Jamal Williams, 25 for Swift, uh, we saw a lot of Justin Jackson in this game as well. He ball carrier. Yep. Yep. I, we always call him Justin Jackson, ball carrier at Northwestern. So there you go. We, I like Justin Jackson, but from a yep. fantasy perspective, I didn't like seeing him get the touchdown, but I'm happy for him. Um, it is victory Monday. So we got to break down uh, Nick's uh, triumphant win for his Jaguars. Before we do that real quick, a note from our sponsors at No House Advantage, who have been sponsoring us all season long. No House Advantage is charging, changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. You can play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right. We don't want to miss out on Nick's uh, triumphant analysis on the Titans, also known as Evan Engram Day. What a weird, what a wild day on people's benches in a lot of cases. I'll tell you what, in the one league that I own, Evan Ingram, he was in my starting lineup. I'm still going to lose the matchup somehow. Uh, almost mm-hmm. 40 fantasy points for Evan Ingram, 11 for 162 and two touchdowns on 15 targets. Easily the best game of his NFL career, uh, you know, in the first quarter, this looked like it was going to be same old Jags Titans, you know, 10th year in a row losing at Tennessee. They, they hadn't won there since 2013 uh, Jags fall behind early. You know, it's just disastrous. You know, they, they, they go three and out on their first drive. Tennessee marches right down 10 plays. Derrick Henry's running all over them. Uh, but for the second time in three weeks, we've seen just the, the kind of resilience and the, the kind of comebacks that you don't normally expect from the Jacksonville Jaguars forcing turnovers. Uh, there, there's a huge, uh, huge fumble by Derrick Henry after a long run ball just kind of pops right into the arms of Josh Allen, uh, a big, big strip sack by the rookie Trayvon Walker. That was huge as well. Um, I, I did think at one point, Jeff, the Jags were plus three in the turnover margin. We're still down. I'm like, are they really going to do this like <laughs> twice in four weeks? Are they going to find a way to, to be plus three and still lose the game? But this was, this was an incredible game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked amazing. Uh, you know, he wasn't outright bad, Last week against Detroit, I think a lot of things went wrong in that sure. blowout loss. He wasn't great, but I, I don't think he was the 
the primary culprit, but especially coming into this week, you know, dealing with the sore knee, dealing with the toe injury, didn't practice for half the week. He goes 30 for 42, 368 and three touchdowns. I I'm starting to get really excited, dangerously excited uh, about what the future could hold with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, fantasy wise though, not a great day. If you're, if you needed a big day from Christian Kirk, a pretty horrific day from Travis Etienne, who is just killing me in a couple leagues these last few weeks. Uh, he yeah. had a Dalvin, a Dalvin cookie and 17 carries for 32 yards. But the thing is, as our friend Tom Kesnick pointed out, it was inches away from being a salvageable day. He gets stopped like just on like the six inch line. And then Trevor, and then Trevor Lawrence got the, the quarterback sneak for the touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he gets the touchdown. It's a different day for him, you know, and you're fine with it. You know, you're not, you're not happy, but you're fine. Uh, but the weird part is he's not getting involved in the passing game. This no. is one of those things that I expected all along. Like, okay, he was a great pass catcher at Clemson. He, he worked together with Lawrence. They know each other. How is he not more involved in the passing game? It's shocking. And I, I think that was a, that was a big part of the appeal when you draft Travis Etienne is, you know, there's a reason this guy gets Alvin Kamara comps yeah. because you know, you, you don't necessarily have to be running him into the line. I think there's an argument to be made that he's more effective catching those swing passes, catching those screens. And yeah, he has, he doesn't have more than three catches in any game this season, no. which is surprising. And, and you know, even the targets haven't really been there. He had a couple five target games, but for the most part, it's just been, you know, two or three short passes. Um, I mean, he has only what six total catches over his last four games. He's averaging like five fantasy points per game in that span. So it, it, it's been ugly. I mean, he's, he's gone touchdown list now in four straight games. Yeah. Uh, very frustrating. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a rookie wall. He didn't have his rookie season. So maybe that's it a little bit. I don't know, but uh, uh, nonetheless, though, I mean, Ingram went nuts. Uh, you, you were past catchers. Just exploit the Titans. I, I mean, the thing is, though, you're like you said, it was a weird fancy day. Christian Kirk didn't uh, go do much. Zay Jones did his eight for 77 and a touchdown. 12 targets for him. 15 for Ingram. I mean, the thing is, credit Lawrence. He saw a matchup that he could exploit, and he went back to the well over and over again, and it worked. The second touchdown was just a circus catch by Ingram. Oh, yeah. uh, well, typical Evan Ingram. Yeah. Well, and actually, Zay Jones's catch was crazy, too. Yeah. Uh, in long, fact, it was long long not a touchdown, right? And then they had to review it, and he got the, yep. got the, the score after the fact. And it was inside the two-minute warning, so they, they had to kind of take their time, make sure the wait to play, call the next play so that the booth would review it because it's not automatically reviewed when it's already, yep. you know. So that, that was tricky, but the, it worked. Um, just a weird game because Tennessee Gat was gashing him in the first quarter. Right. You know, Henry got almost 100 in the first quarter alone. Yeah, I mean, he had 119 of his 121 were in the first half. I mean, mm-hmm. if you it really it really was the turnovers that that switched everything for Tennessee. Yep. I mean, they were dominating this game in terms of yardage, in terms of time of possession early on. Uh, you know, even when the Jags put together some decent drives, they, they had to settle for a couple of field goals uh, in the second quarter uh, that that at the time felt big. But I mean, if you're Tennessee, like they they went up 14 to seven in this game and then had a turnover, a three and out, and another turnover on their next three drives. And still led this game. I mean, it really, it wasn't until just at the end of the half that the Jags uh, finally were able to kind of capitalize on all these turnovers. That's when uh, when we had the the Zay Jones touchdown uh, to to finally go up 20 to 14. But even at that point, it felt like Tennessee had been the better team. Obviously, some momentum was starting to build for the Jags. But I think if you're the Titans coming out of half, you're like, look, if we don't turn it over three times, we're going to be okay here. But whatever momentum the Jaguars picked up on on that final drive just really carried over. I mean, two touchdowns coming right out of the half and all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, this felt like a game that 
the Titans were going to run away with. Derrick Henry was going to have 200 rushing yards. It was going to be just another one of those days. And it completely flipped. And I mean, this game was basically over midway through the third quarter. I mean, the, the Titans were getting booed off the field at home. Yeah. Um, four sacks, the, the four turnovers. Trayvon Walker have a day. He he looked good. He looked awesome. Uh, that he, that was that was a huge play, like you said. Henry's second fumble was huge too. Um, that pretty much finished him off. And then you know they, they were driving to try to get a late score, you know, a second late score. But yeah, whatever. Um, it was way too little, too late. I gotta say the the lack of pass catchers still made you know no Traylon Burks made a huge yep. difference for Tennessee. Robert Woods just doesn't. He's never. He's not back. He's not. Oh fully back or maybe and he also wasn't a super like crazy athletic receiver to begin with also so you know expecting a whole lot out of him is probably folly but uh, nonetheless they didn't he's just not that guy uh let's move on philly and the giants this one was over quick philly just just blammed him really hard uh right away that that fourth down play to get the, the to uh Devontae smith i mean that pretty much that, that indicated where the, the game was going there. They got, not only did they get the first down, but it was a touchdown. It's 40, it's 14, nothing after that. Um, they turn around and get a quick, you know, thir- you know, a, a turnover or no, no, the weird punt play. I'm sorry. Uh, and a 33 yard touchdown right after that, all of a sudden it's 21, nothing game over. Completely over. Yep. I, I think this is a game that, you know, if, if you read a, if you read articles or listen to podcasts coming into the week, a lot of people thought this would be a low-scoring game. I think there's a lot of faith in in the Giants' defense. Um, you know, the weather out in New Jersey kind of slowing things down and uh, making this a little bit more of a grind. And you know, the line implied that as well. I, I think Vegas saw this as a one-score game with the, with the Eagles being on the road. But like I said at the top, I mean, the Eagles are the team that is making these statement wins. You know, we're we're trying yeah. to decide who's the best team in the league, who should be the Super Bowl favorite. All the Eagles are doing right now is just crushing opponents, just bludgeoning them in the first half. I mean, how many times right. this year? How many times this year have the Eagles felt like they're, you know, they're cruising to a victory by halftime? I mean, five, six, seven times. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This this team, they just, they just kind of avoid close games. Uh, you know, they, they had the scare against Indy. They had the loss to Washington. Those are really the only two spots all year. I guess you could go back to the Arizona game in week five. Um, other than that, I mean, these have been convincing win after convincing win after convincing win. And I mean, they've scored 40, 35 and 48 points now in three straight wins over Green Bay, Tennessee, and the Giants. They're at Chicago next week. That should be another really good spot for this Eagles team. At Dallas, week 16, that's going to be massive. You know, that that could ultimately uh, end up deciding the division. And then after that, Saints and Giants again. So, I mean, they're – on paper, they really only have one more difficult game remaining. And I think if I'm Philly, I I feel the best about my position compared to any of the other elite teams in the league. I know Cincinnati's clicking. I know Dallas keeps winning, but – Philly to me has been the most convincing of the elite teams by a pretty good margin, at least over the last month. Yeah. And it's, it's unfolded nicely too, that they're, they're in a position where they, they, they can be comfortable in terms of like their record versus everybody else. Yes. Dallas could get it to within one game if they beat them head to head, but you know, having that, the multiple game cushion too is awfully handy. Uh, it, It doesn't look like, you know, there's, there's one other dominant team perhaps in the NFC and that's the Niners and the Niners lost their quarterback. Um, and we'll see. They might have lost their quarterback after their quarterback. Uh, they might be down to their fourth string next week there mm-hmm. if Purdy's oblique injury is an issue. And they play Thursday night, too. So that's something to watch for there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's Everything's worked out for them. Uh, the Rams have fallen apart. You know, the, the, the Packers have fallen apart. Uh, the Vikings have been exposed as not that great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, 
I, I, I do keep returning to the playoff machine, by the way, and like trying to find the machinations that could get the Packers into the playoffs. And even the Jags, by the way, are only two games back with the tiebreaker now uh, yep. in the AFC South. They have like a 15% chance to sneak into this. So the, the door is not closed. But no, you're right on Philly. I mean, it, it is a year where it feels like a lot has gone right for the Eagles. Um, you know, the, the Dallas Goddard injury, that, that's big. We'll, we'll see when they get him back. Obviously, right. uh, Gardner Johnson's on IR. Uh, other positive injury news for Philly, by the way, Lane Johnson, who, who went out of this game uh, with an abdominal injury, maybe looked like it was going to be something pretty serious at first. Uh, they're saying he avoided anything major, and he's just day-to-day, so might not end up missing any time at all. Yeah, uh, that would be good. Uh, the, the the Giants, Barkley only went 9 for 28. He was dealing with the neck. All, in yeah. fact, was a game-time decision. Did have two catches for 20 yards also. Uh, and sat out a lot of the second half. And they said it was it wasn't a re-injury, it's just a game situation. The fact that they were getting blown out. Um, but still, you hate seeing that there if you have Barkley. I mean, you've gotten diminishing returns lately as he started to get banged up over the course of the season. That's only natural, especially when you look at the lack of playmakers in that Giants offense. You know that they're always focusing on Barkley. Yeah, he never looked right to me in this game. I mean, only played 20 snaps. I think once it got out of hand, um, you know, that was basically curtains for his day. Rough timing, fantasy-wise, that's for sure. I mean, didn't really get anything going on his nine carries, just 28 yards. Uh, did have two catches for 20 yards. But, you know, if you needed a big Barkley day in fantasy, even with a neck injury, it was it was kind of a tough spot, you know, not to start him, right? I mean, chances are mm-hmm. you didn't have, you know, too many great options with six teams on by. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was overall just a, just a disaster day for the New York Giants who – all of a sudden, I mean, it feels like next week against the Commanders, the rematch from from week 13, like that's a borderline must win for the New York Giants when they start to look ahead at, at their postseason chances kind of slipping away before their eyes. Yeah, huge game, huge, huge game. Uh, and yeah, you're, you're right. That is that is going to be uh, a, a monster game for both of them. The Commanders gained by not playing this week, mm-hmm. uh, seeing some of their, their contenders uh, fall by the wayside there a little bit, or not fall by the wayside, but drop back a little bit. Uh, the commanders are currently the six seed. The giants are still currently the seven because the, the Seahawks lost. Do we have to start taking the lions playoff chances seriously here, by the way, they're six and seven now. And they've been, they, they're playing as good as any non elite team out yeah. there. I think we do. I mean, you look at five thirty eight; they have a 20% chance uh, to get into the playoffs. This is the team that was of course one and six at one point. I mean, if you're, if you're just looking at like NFC teams, uh, let's say over the last five or six weeks, which conveniently is when Detroit has taken off. It's like, I, I think Philly and Dallas. Yeah. Those are still two, two teams that are playing better. Uh, but like Detroit has played better than Minnesota. They played better than green Bay. They've played better than any team in the NFC South. And mm-hmm. I think they've played better than Seattle, Arizona and the Rams. I mean, there, there's a case to be made that they are the fourth best team or at least the fourth most dangerous team in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's right. Uh, so, and looking at the Lions' schedule, obviously we talked about they face the Jets on the road. So this it, it could have a comeuppance as early as this week on Saturday here, or not Saturday, they're on Sunday. Uh, but then at Panthers, home against the Bears, and at the Packers, and it could be a Jordan Love game. It could be a Jordan Love game. It could also be a play-in game for the six or the seven seed, depending on That's what happens. True. I mean, if Green Bay gets the Rams this week on Monday, the Baker Mayfield Rams coming in hot, I get that. Green Bay should win that game. They should at least feel good about winning that game at home at Miami on Christmas day. That, that to me, if Green Bay finds a way to beat the dolphins on Christmas, this is going to get really, really, really interesting because yeah, you know, Washington, depending on like one of Washington and the giants is probably getting in. Whoever loses that game next week is going to be in trouble. Seattle feels like it's fading. And obviously green Bay, you know, gets a rematch with Detroit at home 
in week 18. So I, I, I think, true. I think if you're green Bay and Detroit, I wouldn't say you feel good about your chances. You still need some help, but uh, based on how the schedules line up for the teams that you're, you're trying to catch in the NFC, like it's not, it's really not completely out of the question. And especially with green Bay, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Miami at the end of the pod, but I mean, this is a Dolphins team that I think has some pretty serious concerns on offense with, with how Tua's looked the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, with all their injuries too. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's clear that they're, they're, they're in a world of hurt. Uh, let's get the one last game from the afternoons, the, the early slate. Uh, talk a little Ravens and Steelers. There's a reason why we weren't so eager to get to this one. Uh, boy, backup quarterback fest. Kenny Pickett got hurt really early on the first drive, came back for one drive and then was ruled out with a concussion the rest of the way. We'll, we'll know if we'll see him next week, but Trubisky came in, had the awesome. one touchdown, but three picks. Uh, this is There's a reason why he lost the job to pick it. He was so, so bad. And I, I took the Steelers in this game. I felt good about it. As soon as Trubisky came in, I, I knew I was cooked. I mean, he had three interceptions on four drives. I mean, it mm-hmm. was interception, interception, punt, interception. And, you know, luckily Baltimore couldn't really do anything during that time. They, you know, on those four ensuing drives, they only scored three points. So it was still yeah. a game. But man, Pittsburgh, I mean, with Trubisky, it's like, yeah, I, I guess give him some credit for being willing to take shots. But man, I mean, those were three bad picks, you know, re- really uh, not overly catchable balls, just kind of throwing away drives uh, when Pittsburgh was at least in position to get some points. So I, I, th- I thought yeah. in a lot of ways, Trubisky kind of threw them out of this game, a, a game that their defense oh, agreed. played well enough to win. Uh, Pickett, though, I mean, you kind of knew it right away watching that game. Like he took a really hard hit. Uh, from Roquan Smith, kind of like a, a rollout type of play. And, and Smith you know, kind of turned him over and wasn't quite a body slam, but I, I wouldn't have been shocked if they threw a, an unnecessary roughness flag with, with how hard he was slammed to the ground. But um, that was a worse hit than the one in a, the Sunday night game. For way, sure. way worse, way worse. Yeah. And I, I get it. You know, when, when you're kind of flushed out of the pocket and when you're on the move, there are different rules. Uh, but man, yeah, that was, I mean, that was a, a big time hit and you could tell right away Pickett had some sort of issue with his shoulder or his rib uh, the way he hit the ground. But yeah, yeah, disappointing result if you were on the Steelers, that's for sure. But, I mean, here, here we go again with the Ravens, right? Like, you know, all, all the Bengals are doing lately is winning and convincing us that they're a Super Bowl contender, and yet they can't even create any distance in their own division because the Ravens, despite playing, like, objectively bad football for the last month, are 3-1 and one with their three wins coming in games where they've scored 13, 10, and 16 points. Right. They keep winning ugly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's getting frustrating because, yeah, the Bengals, you know, on paper, they've been more impressive, but guess what? The, the rat, that doesn't matter. And Baltimore gets Cleveland this upcoming week on the road. That's a winnable game for them, although God knows who's going to be their quarterback. It's probably not going to be Lamar. Earlier earlier reports like on Saturday were suggesting Lamar is not going to come back till week 16. Yep. Uh, Tyler Huntley left with a concussion. They brought in Anthony Brown. Um, I... I and and they also didn't they add Brett Hundley too? It's like they have Tyler Huntley and Brett Hundley, and I, I it's confusing. It's so confusing, um, and, and not a lick of offense here on the passing game. They did have a J.K. Dobbins had himself a game. You know the funny thing is, lots of people are like, oh, he doesn't look great. He doesn't look himself. He went fifteen for one twenty. I ripped off a long run in the second half of this game. It's like yeah, some running backs finished that off for a touchdown. I think he he looked a little slow. I guess if Maybe. that's the criticism, but that's also what you get with a, a, a back who could break tackles and could, could be a bruiser. So, you, I mean, not everybody, uh, you know, could, could be Saquon Barkley where it feels like you could do both. So yeah, I heard I, some I, James I think, Robinson comps. I saw, I saw that tweet as well. I, I pretty apt yeah. actually. 
Um, although Robinson, you know, when he gets in the open field, I think he's a little bit faster than he gets credit for. Either way, 15 for 120 and a score for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I mean, that went about as well as it possibly could have. You mentioned, you know, Huntley, very, very limited in this game, 8 of 12 for 88 yards, actually went out in the second half. He took a hit uh, of his own, got smacked uh, by Micah Fitzpatrick, a play that also could have been flagged, uh, was not. I mean, it ultimately was a clean hit, but it didn't look like a clean hit in real time. Uh, so we saw Anthony Brown, uh, of all people, uh, a rookie out of Oregon, come in and finish this game out for the Baltimore Ravens. Yep, exactly. Uh, Gus Edwards actually looked good in this one, too. 13 for 66. So, they, I mean, the running game was massive. They ran for over 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, that that was, And they had to um, because the passing game wasn't going to do a whole lot. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, Mike Tomlin's never, never had a losing season. I think I've heard that a couple of times this year. They can't lose another game. Uh, they are 5-8. and eight. So one more loss and he'll have his first losing season. It's also a first season and he's had to replace the quarterback in a long time too. So those things are probably interconnected a little bit there. And they're, they've been dealing with some really bad quarterback mm-hmm. play. Like every, like you said, all three interceptions were in Ravens territory. Uh, two with easy and field goal range. They also had a field goal blocked in this game. Um, and then in the last one was first and 10, but it, it, I mean, it was in, it was like from the 40, but his first and 10, it was a force into double coverage. Just didn't need to make that throw. And there's a reason yeah. why he's a former Bears and former Bills quarterback. I know. As as a Steelers better, it was it was just awful. They should have yeah. won this game. I I felt like it was the right side. You know, if you go back, especially with you know losing Huntley late, you're thinking, all right, you know, maybe this is finally the the, the break that they need. But offensively, just disaster, uh, disaster for the, the Steelers who could not run the ball. I mean, you you said no. it with the, the Bengals were able to run all over the Steelers defense over five yards per carry. Uh, they had 12 first downs via the rushing. The Steelers had three rushing first downs, yeah. um, but the Steelers also had 16 passing first downs. So it was kind of a complete reversal. We're like the Steelers, I think would have loved to play this game the exact way that the Ravens did, but they just can't move the ball. I mean, 20 carries for 65 yards for the Steelers offense. Another just wildly inefficient day for Najee Harris. Yeah, it was, it really was after a few good ones in a row too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're starting to get optimistic about him and it didn't happen. Uh, Jeff Johnson asks, uh, do you start J.K. Dobbins over Saquon last uh, this upcoming week? I know it's early to do start him, sit him, but mm. um, I'm intrigued. I- I'll have to think about it because I want to see more practice reports on Saquon. Huge game coming up for the Giants in this one here. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> I guess this is the time of year where they're all huge. But D- Dobbins gets a great matchup against Cleveland. I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's that's it. I think that might break the tie for you. If Saquon Barkley is still limited next week in any way, I think I would lean toward J.K. Dobbins. I really would. And I think if Lamar Jackson's probably not back for next week, I think that helps J.K. Dobbins. I think they keep it on the ground even more. And I think the Ravens winning this game maybe feels like it buys Lamar a little bit more time, right? You know, yep. if, he was, if he was maybe a true 50-50 for week 15, I think the fact that you came away from this game with a win, um, you don't really feel like you need to push Lamar uh, to, to come back until he's fully ready. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, even if they, you know, right now they're tied for the division with the Bengals, but nine and four. I mean, they're in really good good shape. They get one more win, they're basically in. Um, so the way it's lining up with all these other teams yep. knocking each other off. Uh, the Steelers face the Panthers. We're going to talk about the Panthers win over uh, Seattle in a second. But first, a quick note from our sponsors at uh, Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code 
RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Nick Whalen and I here breaking down week 14. And uh, let's talk Carolina. I, I, This is one of the games I got wrong. I thought Seattle would handle Carolina. I thought they'd be able to uh, move the ball pretty well. I mean, the fact is that they, they really embrace the whole concept that running backs don't matter. Uh, by having Travis Homer and as they're really their only running back and only giving him nine carries, Tony Jones got one. Geno Smith had a bad day early on. He got yeah. he got his fantasy production late in this one here, but early on he threw uh, two bad picks and that that was big. Carolina mm-hmm. jumped off to a pretty big lead in this one. Yeah, Geno threw a pick on his first attempt of the game. Uh, that was after a, a long drive by Carolina resulted in a field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, it, it feels like this is now what the third or fourth week in a row where Gino started slow, really going all the way back to that, that Germany game yeah. against Tampa Bay. And for the fourth week in a row, he's been able to salvage a decent fantasy day because he's, he's piling up yards. They're playing from behind. Uh, he, you know, he, he threw three touchdowns in this one, but yeah, it, it reminded me kind of of the Gino that we saw against the Rams, the Gino we saw against the Raiders, the Gino we saw against Tampa where you know, the, the ultra clean play that we were getting from Gino when the Seattle was, was really rising in kind of the early middle portion of the season, that's, that's faded away a yeah. little bit. And, you know, we, we do need to credit this Carolina defense, which has been way better than people expect, uh, you know, throughout the entire season. I, I don't think it's gotten the credit that it deserves, but um, you know, Gino just wasn't good. He wasn't great in this game, especially early on. There were like two more plays that could have been picks like JC Horn could have had like yeah. four interceptions in that's this game. Right. There, there were two that he picked off, like just out of bounds. Uh, did have a did have a late one that I think he didn't think was an interception um, until he saw the replay and, and it was. But uh, yeah, overall this was a game that Carolina completely controlled. They went up ten nothing. They went up seventeen nothing. Um, and, and Seattle, you know, credit to them for for making this a one score game for most of the second half. But they couldn't really stop the run when they needed to. And nope. once Carolina went back up by two scores with about seven minutes left, Seattle had a chance to answer. And they went, they went with a quick three and out. I mean, that, that kind of told you all you needed to. And uh, you know, we talked about the Giants kind of fading at the wrong time. It feels like Seattle's going down that same path. Yeah, two scores down, seven minutes left. I understand field position sucks and all that, but I, I don't know if you can punt, especially with the way defense playing the way your defense is playing. Uh, I thought it was pretty much kind of game over after that point in time. Yeah. I understand. I mean, they were out, it, it, it was fourth and eight at their 27 but like you said they're they're already down 27 17 carolina got another field goal there yes seattle drove for a touchdown but then they had to try to you know win an you're if you're needing an onside kick to be really within a score you're not within a score and it was it was one play after that on the after the onside yep. kick so yeah um carolina first road win for them they're up to five and eight they're not dead yet um they got th- this slim slim chance of being able to uh be able to get it uh, to, to win the nfc south um and they're not completely dead in the uh, wild card either they're kind of in the packers range there but they've got the tie break over atlanta um they i think they've got a game against the bucks coming up uh so and they beat the bucks earlier like a drum yep, exactly uh so they're not dead they get the steelers the lions the bucks and the saints I know we're talking about Carolina here, but that's not a bad schedule. They're not dead by any means. And I think it's going to get really interesting if they find a way to beat Pittsburgh next week. And that game is at home. They get Detroit at home as well before they finish at Tampa and at New Orleans because, I mean, Tampa Bay, they they get the Bengals in week 15. Like that, I don't know if that's a winnable game right now 
for the Buccaneers. And we'll, we'll get to that game in a second. I mean, this is a really bad football team and yeah. a team that is a team that's lucky to still have a one game lead. If we're being honest, because a week ago they, they had one of the all time steals, you know, in that game against new Orleans. So yep, I, I think right. it could be, it could be even more precarious for Tampa Bay. But if you're just talking like, I, I just by the eye test, like Carolina to me, looks like a better team. There's, there's nothing about the rosters that say Carolina should be a better team than Tampa, but they just, they look like a better team. They play They're a more confident right style. Now. Yeah. They yeah. play better. They play with more confidence. They can actually run the ball. That is, that is not something you could say about Tampa whatsoever. And Carolina remains committed to the run. Like they were not, they were not gashing Seattle in this game by any means. Um, you know, Raheem Blackshear, you know, had, had a, I think he was responsible for their longest run on the day outside of Sam Darnold. Uh, who had a long scramble. Oh yeah. But, that was a wild scramble. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It was just, it was Hubbard and Foreman over and over and over just kind of battering this Seattle defense. They, they weren't ripping off, you know, there wasn't like a 40 yard gain or a 50 yard touchdown. I mean, Hubbard and Foreman just over and over uh, were, were able to, to pound this Seattle defense into submission. And I just, I don't think that's Tampa's not capable of doing that. They haven't shown that kind of commitment and I don't think they have the offensive line to do it either. So, I mean, Carolina, Tampa, if, if, if you have to, pick between those teams like if it comes down to that week 17 game like I think I like Carolina to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now I yeah I could see it I could definitely see it there um all four teams in the NFC South have are negative 30 or worse in point differential uh it's it's they're just different ways I mean Tampa's only scored 224 points all year it's it's just a depressing offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams are worse, but they still found a way to, you know, to be worse than that. But yeah, it's it, Denver is obviously at another level, although we'll get to that. They actually showed life. It's weird. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and for Seattle, I feel like this stretch is illustrated to them that, okay, the air is kind of coming out of the bubble a little bit there out of the balloon. Excuse me. Uh, it's you're, you're realizing that Geno Smith isn't a long-term answer. He's a great story. But he's just a average quarterback. I don't think there's a, a level in him that makes him like a playoff quarterback. He maybe qualify for the playoffs, but you're never going to be this like elite team with him. Yeah, I think that's becoming clear. And you know, we were talking about him as like this fringe, feel good MVP candidate. You know, midway through the season, and it's I think now that we're getting kind of a full 18 game sample of Geno Smith, I think we're going to kind of come back to the same conclusion that we've had about him for most of his career. Uh, you know, it, it still feels like he's, he's taken a step up, um, in terms of his confidence, in terms of how he'll be viewed going forward. But yeah, if you're Seattle, I, I don't think you necessarily look at this as a situation and say like, yep, we're good at quarterback for the next five to seven years. Right, right. Exactly there. So they're seven and six. They're hanging on for dear life in the playoff race. They play the Niners on Thursday night, hosted the Niners. Niners smoked them in the first game, but it's a short turnaround and who knows who the Niners QB is going to be, but still, um, you know, it, it's a massive game. And I almost wonder if there's a little look ahead by the Seahawks too. Not that they're a team that can afford to look ahead, but you had a road game against the Rams last week, a Thursday night game this upcoming week against the Niners. Panthers coming to town. They're four and eight. You think that they're just, mm-hmm. you know, doing their thing. And they came, they got punched in the mouth a little bit there. And it, it started with just how the game started, I think. And I think they did just too little too late for them. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on Seattle. I mean, it's going to get really dicey for them. They need, they need Detroit to keep losing or, or to start losing. I should say they need green Bay to fall off. Um, you know, they, they basically need all these other NFC teams to, to struggle in the same way they have because they get the 49ers and then they're at the chiefs and then they're home for the jets. Ooh. I mean, that is a really tough three game stretch. They yeah, will not be, sure. they will not, they'll, they'll be home dogs this week. They'll be big time dogs at Kansas city. 
in week 16 and we'll see what the jets do these next couple of weeks. But that, I mean, that could be a pick them. They, they could maybe even be slight home dogs in that game uh, going up against that jets defense. So uh, you know, they need to find a way to win at least one of those three games, probably two of those three to feel good about their chances. Um, and that, that's a lot to ask. I, I don't, you it know, is. on paper, on paper, I don't think you see Seattle beating the 49ers or the chiefs, especially. So uh, they, they need to figure out a way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. Uh, they're going to need some help too. It sounds like so. Uh, maybe uh, some dicey times coming ahead, but you know, when you look at like their expectation going into the season, it's already been a great year. I mean, yes. that's the thing that's kind of like, what sort of mindset do you have? Like now that you've gotten this far, you're not satisfied with that though, either. It's a, it's, it's a tricky spot. All right. Chiefs Broncos. This was two games, completely two different games. 27, nothing all of a sudden becomes 27, 14 at the half, all of a sudden becomes 27, 21. And now that you're hold on your butts time, they get the, the, the score to go up 34, 21. Then the Broncos get another one after ripping Russell Wilson actually played well at times. Uh, yes. And then had a nasty concussion on that run. I guess that they were saying it was his first concussion, which is just mind boggling to me that NF, any NFL player, you can say that about any football player this far in their career, right. but he was diving for a first down and took a really hard hit off the ground. He looked terrible. We may not see him this week, but you know, this was, he, he was running a lot in this game four for 57. This was old Russell Wilson, not an old Russell Wilson, but the vintage Russell Wilson. Yeah. He, he was, I, th- I thought pretty bad early in this game. You know, had yeah, the he picks, was, he had the pick six that put Casey up 27, nothing, which by the way, the chiefs not covering a game that they led 27, nothing. That might be a worse beat uh, than anything yeah. we had this week at least for me i don't know what side of this game you were on but i was on the chiefs nine and a half i was too um i i, I mean felt like it was, i was feeling it was pretty sure damn thing. good about uh, that right and i mean there were even multiple times in the second half where you're like all right fine they're, they're up two scores we'll be okay here nope um really rough game from Mahomes. i mean the, the total yardage looks good the three touchdowns look good but three interceptions um you know the type of plays that you almost never see from patrick mahomes really allowing denver to get back into this game but no you said it i, I think right before you know, the, the three or four series before the concussion were the best three or four series that Russell Wilson has strung together all year. Yeah. I think this is the first time in a long time that you said, wow, that looks like Seattle, Russell Wilson, the way he's scrambling around, he's directing traffic. He's, he's throwing the ball deep, making things happen. I mean, he was, he was really, really good for like a solid two quarters uh, before Ripian had to come in and, and finish this thing out. But even with Ripian, Denver was able to move the ball. Uh, Kansas city really did not show up defensively in this game, um, you know, running the ball, Denver kind of got away from it, but they, they had a decent amount of success, especially with Wilson on the ground. Um, you know, Latavius Murray, Marlon Mack, uh, combined for 11 carries, Mike Boone stuck his way in there as well. But this is a game where, you know, being down 27, nothing Denver had to commit to the pass and it was working. Yeah. It was weird without Cortland Sutton, no less too. Jerry yeah. Judy was awesome in this game. Yep. Uh, not like a huge yardage game, but his routes when he got open were, were fantastic. Uh, eight for 73 in the three touchdowns, obviously they were a little lucky on the Marlon Mack play. The screenplay worked, but then, you know, just to be able to make so many different cuts all the way through the field there. Um, Hey, good on Mack for, you know, making those cuts though, but, uh, you shouldn't expect that a whole lot of repeatability about that. Um, and, but you know, and the, the, the Broncos, like you said, they were forced to pass, even though they were running the ball pretty well, although a lot of that was Wilson, the running backs didn't do much at all. In fact, only 11 carry. No, 14 carries from running backs in this game. Yeah. Uh, but not a whole lot of yardage from those. Uh, 15, uh, 14 for 59. So most of the damage was done by Wilson on the ground. Um, 
But yeah, it, it, it was a it was a totally two different games, and I think almost like the Chiefs took their foot off the gas a little bit there. And obviously, Mahomes those two those two picks in the first half gave the Broncos some life. Yeah, I mean the two picks, but also the Broncos converting both of those into touchdowns. I mean, that, yeah. the Broncos put up twenty eight points. I mean, this is a, an eruption by Denver Broncos standards. This is the equivalent of any other team scoring like fifty five points. Seriously, this was with, two with games how, of, of production. Yeah, for them. yeah. At le- more than two if you if you just take their average. I mean, they're. Uh, I mean, they, they basically, I mean, they were averaging what, like 13 points per game coming into the year. That's going to rise, obviously. But yeah, you said it, the two touchdowns or the two interceptions on back-to-back possessions by Mahomes. Uh, you, you almost never see that from him, but, you know, props to Denver for converting those. And the other thing was, I mean, they, they scored that touchdown just before the half and then they get the ball back. And yeah. so they, they scored, they scored three touchdowns in what felt like, I don't know, like 25 minutes of real time. Yeah. You know, they, they, they scored one with a minute 35 left in the half and then they scored one with nine seconds left in the half and then scored again to open the third quarter. So it, it very, very quickly went from, Oh my God, are the chiefs going to win this game 50 to zero to what is going on? It's 27, 21. Yep. That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, you know, some, some positives to build off of, but now we'll see if it's going to be ripping or if it's going to be uh, Russell Wilson this upcoming week uh, on the Chiefs side. I mean, they get back on, on track. Uh, they're still behind the uh, behind the Bills. Uh, they're the same record, but Bills have the tiebreaker on the head-to-head game there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they didn't quite clinch the AFC West yet. They need another win or Chargers lost somewhere down in the next four weeks. I think we'll, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, all in all, you know they got they they played badly and won in the second half. Mm-hmm. So there, there's something to be said for that too. Um, we saw a pretty tough run by Pacheco late to clinch that game on a first. You know. Got that last first down, and that was that was nice from him. But it was McK- it was the McKinnon show, and Jarek McKinnon was on all you know was on a lot of people's fantasy benches this week. Uh, he went off seven for one twelve in the two touchdowns. That fluky play for one of them, uh, where you know schoolyard play by uh, Mahomes that he seems to do against Denver every year. But and then he had another reception for a touchdown too. Seven for one twelve in the passing game. Yeah, seven for one twelve on McKinnon. Uh, I gotta say, I didn't have him in any fantasy teams. Did have him in my Prize Picks lineup though. I think his number was like nineteen and a half receiving yards, so cleared that one uh, pretty easily. He looked great. I mean, another kind of quiet game for Travis Kelsey by his standards. This is now three games in a row where he's had exactly four catches, uh, only one touchdown in that span. So for a guy who was just you know running away with the tight end one spot this season, and he still is, and he's going to finish as easily the number one tight end. But that gap. Um, you know, he hasn't exactly widened it over the last three weeks. I know no. not everybody could be Evan Ingram every single week, Jeff, but no, um, relatively, not. relatively disappointing. I mean, there's a, he's one of those guys, you know, much like Saquon, like Nick Chubb, like ETN, you know, these guys who were winning you fantasy matchups a month ago, uh, you know, kind of started to cool off at, at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, nine targets to this one. So it wasn't really yeah. a lack of opportunity, but uh, gets the Texans this week, probably gets well this week is my guess. So though, as we've demonstrated and we've talked about, Passing against the Texans isn't necessarily a big key to success for success, but we did see at the other hand, we did see Dalton Schultz do some damage against them this past week as well. Let's talk box and Niners. This was never close. Uh, this was a total, total squash. I got, they got the second half touchdown. Sure. But ugly, ugly, ugly game for the Bucks. Even their touchdown was a fluke. It was a deflection from yep. one receiver went through Godwin's hands and Russell Gage was there. It had to be reviewed to see if his knee was down and all that. Just ugly game. Tom Brady uh, banged his hand against the thumb, uh, his thumb against uh, on rusher in the second half. So we'll watch his status 
threw the ball 55 times, only 253 yards to show for it. Ugh. Yeah, this was the same old script for Tampa Bay, right? I mean, how yeah. many times have we seen this? Try to run the ball, can't do it, got to throw a million short passes, and it just amounted to nothing. Uh, this was a, a pretty rough week, it goes without saying, for my Brady Godwin Evans stack team. Oh. Uh, this was, I mean, they had the long touchdown to Evans that got called back. Uh, that almost salvaged it for me, but tough day for Brady with the two picks. He's looked really shaky these last couple of weeks, but you said it. I mean, this game got away from Tampa essentially right away. I mean, the 49ers marched down, get a touchdown on their first play. They think they, they were up 21, nothing, then 28, nothing just before the half. Um, and we saw San Francisco play really conservatively for most of the second half as Kyle Shanahan uh, is one to do, but Brock Purdy looked great in this game. A couple big time throws down the sideline, had one to McCaffrey yeah. for a touchdown. He was fantastic. Uh, relatively quiet day for, for Brandon. Ayuk had a touchdown, but just two catches, 457 yards, but I think coming out of this one, we're keeping an eye on the Brock Purdy oblique situation. They said he suffered the injury. I think it was during the second quarter. Uh, so obviously it wasn't bad enough that, that he wasn't able to play through it, but right. uh, we'll see what goes on there. And then Debo Samuel, thankfully it looks like he avoided, you know, anything extremely serious as far as like a torn ACL or something yeah. like that. But yeah, even a high terrible. ankle sprain, that looked bad that oh I mean gosh. that was, that was a like, you know, carts out, all the teammates are surrounding him. You're thinking like we might not see him until midway through next season. Um, so all in all, it feels like a, a win that he, that he didn't suffer any torn ligaments, but I don't think we see Debo Samuel again in the regular season. That feels like a given. Yeah. They said it was a high ankle sprain and usually those are four to six weeks. So, you know, that they're going to have to do the next man up thing. Uh, maybe you'll see them run the ball a little bit more against Seattle. You want to do that anyhow. So mm -hmm. you'll see uh, McCaffrey, a lot of McCaffrey who looked great by the way, 14 for 119, the 38-yarder for a touchdown, also caught a touchdown pass. That had to be reviewed. Would have been the most ridiculous overturn ever had they uh, not allowed that as a touchdown, but fortunately they did. Um, I, I'm so angry about the whole what is a catch thing becoming a thing again. Uh, the NFL just can't seem to get that right. Uh, Ayuk's touchdown was pretty. Uh, really beautiful move to get open, but he only had three targets in this game. Two, like you said, they went conservative in the second half. Yeah, they really did. And you can't fault them. I mean, this is the team that they, they love going conservative when they're up like 10 in a game. So when yeah. you're up, when, when you're up 28, nothing, of course, they're going to go conservative. Sure. Uh, but overall, I, I think you come out of this game feeling really good about Brock Purdy, right? I, I still, yeah. you still wonder what the ceiling is, but I mean, I, I think if you just kind of remove the numbers and the names, it's like he did, a, he played just as well as Jimmy Garoppolo has at any point this season against what's ultimately still a, at least a decent defense for Tampa Bay. Uh, mm -hmm. But McCaffrey looked great. We were a little concerned about his injury situation. He didn't look look affected at all. Jordan Mason uh, had, to, had some decent runs at garbage time uh, for, for this team as well. I think if you're San Francisco, you're very worried uh, about the Debo Samuel situation, especially, you know, if he's not able to play, um, you know, to begin the postseason. That is a, mm -hmm. a massive, massive blow for a team that's already, uh, you know, down its top two quarterbacks. But I, I think, you know, you at least saw enough for Purdy that you could convince yourself that, look, if we're healthy and we're rolling, like, can, you know, could, could this guy kind of be a, a Nick Foles type of situation? Like, that's in the cards now. Yeah, it could be. I think as there's more tape on him, it'll get a little tougher, but yeah, maybe not this week. Thursday Thursday game, so it might be sloppy anyhow, especially with no Debo. We'll, we'll see how they, you know, as that changes a lot of their different things. It takes away a running threat. Um We'll see how they adjust to that. You might see a little bit more Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason looked good too, 11 for 56. Oh, yeah. uh, Kittle was involved early, but not so much late, four for 28. 
I actually started Ingram over Kittle in one league. That that's that felt pretty good. That that's why you're the best, Jeff. Uh, I also benched Ingram in another league, so we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) And I would have benched him in another league, but for uh, the fact, yeah, but for the fact that Komet was on by. So I had Ingram in like three leagues. I started him in two and benched him in one. Uh, So well, seeing those thirty three points on my bench was fun. Yeah, always fun. The, the league that I'm starting him in was my Kyle Pitts league. So ironically enough, it's like Kyle Pitts, you know, starting him every week and getting eight points. Like, thankfully, you know, the injury finally opened the doors for Ivan Ingram. Although we should say, like, guaranteed, like, two catches for 20 yards next week against Dallas, right? Like, all these people yeah. are going to throw him into the lineup and going to right? be very, very let down. Yeah. Use him in DFS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're going to go chase that for sure. I'll probably be one of them. Who knows? Uh, let's last game. Dolphins and the Chargers. This was a weird one, Nick. I yeah. Miami got just destroyed. They're all, I mean, yeah. total yardage battle wasn't even re- remotely close in this one here. At 1.2 is three of 17. Uh, they just shut down. And they were they were missing so many key defensive players, the Chargers were. Yeah. And Miami, I, I mean, that, you know, Austin Jackson being out was, I think, is a bigger deal than the. I think it's being led on. He's out. He's on IR right now. And Taron Armstead played, but he, I, I think that was a problem. They're they're consistently pressuring Tua, even if they weren't always sacking him. And they were just off. I mean, yeah, it, it, the time of possession battle wasn't close. The yardage battle wasn't close. Miami seems banged up. Tyreek Hill wasn't in on the last series. Jalen Waddle did nothing for the second week in a row. Jeff Wilson got hurt in a great matchup. It's just a disaster game for Miami. Yeah, you said it, I, rattling off some of those just kind of basic comparative stats. This was as one-sided as a six-point game could possibly be, yep. I felt like, uh, especially when you consider that the two touchdowns for Miami, one came on like a fumble ruski, uh, and the other came on a ball that probably should have been intercepted if the defender didn't kind of trip up at the last second. Um, yeah. you know, just kind of a, kind of the, the, it was like the Tom Brady, Mike Evans, just huck it up there, and, and hopefully Tyreek Hill brings it down, and he did. Uh, but it felt, it felt desperation. To me, it wasn't like I didn't I didn't come out of that play thinking like, wow, great design, great throw by Tua. That was like a well, we need a touchdown here. I'm just going to throw it up and close my eyes and hope for the best. Like that's that's what the Miami offense was all night. I mean, they they had nothing whatsoever. Like you said, Tua was three of seventeen. He finished this game ten of twenty eight. I, I went back on on Stathead. This was the least efficient game uh, in which a quarterback has attempted at least twenty five passes since the Duck Hodges game against Baltimore in twenty nineteen. Um, in terms of completion percentage. So, I mean, it was, it was that bad. It was a like historically bad night for Tua Tungavailoa. And two, three weeks ago, we felt like Miami was this super dangerous team. You know, they, they got a win over the bills. They, 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 they beat the, the Baltimore Ravens. They could score on anybody. And two weeks later, I just, I have major questions about Tua. I mean, this is two weeks in a row where he's looked abjectly terrible for 80% of the night. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And they face the Bills on the road this upcoming week. Nice schedule, by the way. Three straight yeah. roadies, Niners, Charge, Chargers was supposed to be the easy game, and they got smashed. And now the Bills, uh, uh, and it's going to snow. Um, this does not look good at all for uh, Miami. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be watching the Hill injury reports. I'm going to be watching the Waddle injury reports. Jeff Wilson's probably not going to play. Short rest. I mean, they're going to, they flow, you know, they played Sunday night, and then they got to go play Saturday. Uh, you know, it just the, the schedule makers had it out for him on this one here. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll do a quick peek at, at this game. There's seven and a half point dogs in this game at Buffalo, and rightfully so. I mean, this is 
uh, the way that this team is playing right now, like you said, if there is weather in Buffalo on Saturday night, I, I don't think that helps Miami by any means. I, I think this is a team that can, I mean, if you're getting pushed around by the chargers, that, that says a lot. I mean, that is a yeah. team that is not capable of pushing around uh, many teams, but we, we do, we should give credit to Justin Herbert, by the way, who looked amazing he in did. this game, had some just ridiculous throws. I mean, he, there, there, there was a legitimate Tua Herbert, who would you rather have debate earlier this season? That's not even close to me. Like this game, notwithstanding, Earlier this season, it was just going into this week. There were still, uh, you know, people are, you know, there was the the infamous uh, Vine quarterback comment uh, about the the social media quarterback thing on Herbert. I think we kind of, uh, I think we could dismiss this, dismiss that at least for a week or two. Herbert's unbelievable, man. I I think anybody who doesn't see that, I I don't know what you're watching. Uh, Tua has his moments. He's had some good moments this year. I'm not taking that away from him, but Tua's lows are just ridiculously low. Herbert's, Herbert's lows are not that low at all. And I, I think Herbert, you know, Tua, it seems like is in the best possible scheme for him. Uh, he has the, the, you could argue the two best like tandem receivers in the league. He has a coach who set up everything perfectly for him. And I would say the opposite for Herbert. He, he has two good receivers. They're always hurt. They were healthy in this game. And we saw how effective they could be 18 for, for almost, uh, or for over 200 yards combined between yeah. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, both played really well in this game. Both had impressive catches. Mike Williams had a crazy one down the sideline early catch. on. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was another another just like prototypical Austin Eckler game, uh, relatively quiet on the ground, uh, you know, eight for 59 through the air. But it still feels like when you watch the Chargers, at least half of the time, you're saying like, is this a well-coached team? I don't think it's a well-coached team. I don't like the positions that they're putting Justin Herbert in. And that wasn't necessarily true last night, but I, I think for these guys to be, I guess you could say they're in the same neighborhood, but I just feel like if Herbert had a lot of the the benefits that Tua did, this wouldn't even be a debate. I'd agree with that. Um, I, I think the Wilson injury is big. Uh, Mostert couldn't get going. This was supposed to be a great smash line, uh, matchup. The fact that they fell behind so far, I mean, that had a lot to do with it too. Uh, you know, all these three and outs. I mean, the thing is they didn't try to run the ball a whole lot early on in this game. Um, and I, you know, the, the, their touchdown came on a Wilson fumble, obviously, mm-hmm. by the way, Tyreek Hill gets the, the touchdown credit, but he doesn't get the yardage credit. I kind of wonder why this shouldn't those be rushing yards. They're not. Uh, it's a good question. I, I asked you the same thing because at the end of that, that, uh, Tampa new Orleans game on Monday, you know, they, they ran right. a typical lateral play and Camara picks it up and, and he gained like eight or nine yards. But I, I guess I don't know the rule on that. I, I looked it up on Twitter after the Camara play. And I saw a bunch of people saying, why am I not getting credit for the yards? But I saw other people saying that they did get credit for it. So I think part of it comes down to which fantasy platform yeah. you use and, and how they credit that. But yeah, in terms of total yards, I, I would I would have to look deeper into that because he'll pick that up and ran a good, what? I mean, it was right at midfield. 60. He ran like 50 yards. Yeah. Yeah. 60 yards. Um, I need those six points badly. Yeah. But in like multiple places. So yeah. Give me those yards. All right, so there you go. That that's uh, honestly, yeah. So I think Miami's in trouble. Uh, we'll see. Um, they, you know, they're they're still right now. They're still in the playoffs. Um, but and so they have, I guess, a little bit of a buffer. They're eight and five, but people are gaining. You know, if they if they lose and the Chargers win next week, Chargers obviously are going to have the head to head against them. So that's a tough one. Chargers host Tennessee. Those. You're not going to have this invading horde of Titans fans, so it won't have this huge home field disadvantage like they usually do. Um, tickets are as low as $21 there, though, so you still can go to SoFi for that, although parking will be $210, so, uh, you know, it, they get you one way or another. But, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, 
that it's Miami six and the Chargers are the seven. Uh, Bengals are the five right now, and they've got a you know a, a, a two game buffer over the Chargers and Jets and all that. So they're in pretty decent shape. But you know Miami, Miami and the Chargers both have to get going. They do. It's not going to be easy for Miami, like you said at Buffalo. That is that's a really really difficult game on a yeah. short week. Going, you know, I mean, you're going from at the Chargers to at the Bills. It could not be a further trip. That's uh, that that's troubling. Uh, they're home for Green Bay on Christmas Day. To me, that's somewhat of a toss-up right now with how, with how Miami's yep. playing, with some of the injuries they're dealing with. You mentioned Tyree Kill. I thought he was clearly favoring that hamstring. He, he stayed in the game, but you could see he was kind of pulling up at the end of routes. They were basically just running goal balls to, to him and, and Jalen Waddle late in the game. They're just sprinting down the field, sprinting back, trying to go hurry up. I don't think that helped. Uh, but after the Green Bay game, Miami's at New England, somewhat of a toss-up game, and then they get the Jets in week 18. And that's a Jets team that could very much need that game. So they're not one of those teams that you're like, Oh, you get the Texans in week 18, or you get a, an Eagles team. That's maybe resting everybody. Like they're, they're going to have four very difficult games the rest of the way. Yeah. I think you get pressure on Miami. They're in trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. So San Francisco was able to do it. The chargers was a surprise that they were able to do so without Bosa. Uh, And I think that was, you know, and it wasn't all, it didn't always amount into sacks, only two sacks, but you know, that, that was, that's a big part of it there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, big win by the chargers. This was, uh, you know, kind of one of those classic games. There's one or two each week, Jeff, where I, I was on the dolphins in, in my pick'em league right away. You're like, Nope, wrong pick. This is yeah. not good. Dolphin dolphins are not ready for this. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly right. It was kind of a must win game from after their disappointing game in Vegas the week before. Yeah. Uh, now they, they're, they're, they're kind of in that must win mode for the rest of the year, which might be where they, they may need that sense of urgency. They may play better because of that. Any other thoughts on uh, week 14 before we sign off? Not too much. I mean, just to finish this out, it, it's kind of the opposite situation for the chargers where their schedule, they're home for the Titans. That's a Titans team. That's lost three in a row wheels kind of coming off there. Yeah. And they get the Colts, the Rams and the Broncos to finish out. So if you're, if you're just, if you're comparing chargers, dolphins straight up, uh, obviously the dolphins currently have the advantage in terms of record, but I, you know, the chargers are the chargers. They'll, they'll probably find a way to mess this up, but they have the vastly easier schedule down the stretch. So you're talking about one team, the Broncos who just got eliminated, the Colts and the Rams next are, are, are literally the next two teams in line to be eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, so, and chances are by the time they face them, they will be eliminated. So who knows what you'll see out of those teams too. Uh, you know, the Texans did put up a fight while after being eliminated. So it, it's still possible, but, you think that would only bode well for them. So yeah, pretty good setup. They get through this game and there's no, that's not an easy thing to do. You're going to see about 37 runs from Derrick Henry against them. The, the, the Titans will not make the mistake about not running the ball against them. We know that, uh, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. All right. That is going to wrap up today's podcast. Thanks to no house advantage for their sponsorship. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, and good luck in your, your fancy playoffs. If you've made the playoffs, good luck in week 15, everyone take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.